hello and welcome back. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Our guest for this episode is a Marine Corps veteran who is part of the early generation of military working dog handlers to attend a newly developed specialized search dog course at Lackland Air Force Base. At this time, the SSD was a new military working dog type designed to provide an off-leash explosive detection capability. Upon graduation, this new SSD team left Lackland and checked into his first unit with SSD Shadow Kilo 371. He was assigned to Military Police Support Company, 2nd Marine Expeditionary Force in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. In this episode, we discuss his journey in the Marine Corps as an SSD handler working alongside SSD Shadow in Iraq and Afghanistan. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce you to Andre Hill. Well, Andre, uh, really appreciate your time to uh, sit down and talk to me about your you know, career in the Marine Corps and then also just talk about canine. Um, I know that we crossed paths a couple times in the fleet. Uh, whenever I was active, I think you had already gotten out. But if you don't mind, just uh, kind of introduce yourself, um, you know, who you are and like kind of where you grew up and how you got into the, the Marine Corps for those who don't know. All right, cool. So, uh, um, like my early life, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, um, pretty much in the heart of the city, like near the, the downtown in the center of the metropolitan city of uh, Louisville, um, and a housing project called Village West. Um, I grew up with, um, with three, with three, it was three brothers. It was, well, I had two other brothers and then I have two other sisters that lived in our home. So it was five of us all together. Um, <clears throat> normal life. We played sports. was crazy. As, as far as I can remember, our father was always in and out of our life. So, but even from a young age, I always had like the want to like join the military. And at that age, it was crazy because I always wanted to be in the army for some reason. And I had a, a thought that a specialist was like the job to hold if I was in the military to be a specialist and specialize in something, even at a young age. So um, <clears throat> as life, that's as a youth, um, how I got into the uh, the, uh, the <laughs> military is crazy. So at a young age, not having a positive influence in my life and living in a pretty bad area of town, I always follow my big brother. So my big brother is always two, he's two years older than me. Um, and my little brother, he is like 15 months younger than me. So I always follow, we always followed our biggest brother. He got us into trouble. He was always hanging out with the older crowd, selling drugs, stealing cars and stuff like that. So one time when I was 14, we got uh, pulled over in a stolen car. My big brother had stolen. He was taking me and my little brother on a joyride and he was going to drop us off to school. So long story short, police arrested us, took us to juvenile detention center. So we get rolled up. Um, <clears throat> and then from, from that point on, we got sent off. We were awarded to awarded the state um, for being truant from school because we were missing school a lot. And also out of, out of control parental rights. We were just like just too much for our mom to handle by herself. Me and my little brother got sent off to um, this boy's home, which is three and a half hours east of the city of Louisville in a small town near the border of Kentucky and West Virginia. It's called Boyd County. So after we graduated the boy home and uh, went to this boy home called the Ramey East Step Home for Boys. 
So after me and my little brother was put there, we had to graduate the program, which took a year to do. Upon completing the program at the year in 2015, we were asking, can we go back home to Louisville? And then our social worker was like, no, you guys got to, you guys, um, your brother, your big brother still up to the same stuff. Um, <clears throat> your mom's living conditions is, isn't any better. So you guys are going to have to stay here and go in foster care, complete high school. And after you gra guys graduate high school, then you're uh, 18, technically adults, and you can go your own way, make your own uh, decision to either go back home or to do whatever you want to do in life. So in, in retrospect, that's one of the best decisions that ever happened to me that um, was out of my hands because as much as I wanted to go back home, um, it, got, it made me the man I am today. So... <clears throat> We um, went to this foster home um, and it was crazy, crazy, crazy experience. So um, being two <laughs> black kids in far eastern Kentucky, it, we, we um, experienced a lot of racism in our high school. Like at the onset of going to school, I think, hell, it was probably six, seven hundred student body and it's probably like five to six black people in the whole school oh wow yeah so it was a crazy experience crazy experience um <clears throat> got a lot of hate a lot of trial a lot of, a lot of tribulations and then we played sports me and my brothers were naturally athletic uh we joined the football team ran track um i uh, started uh cornerback uh and i was second string running back but i started corner started expelled uh and <clears throat> excelled in special teams, kick, punt, punt, return, kickoff, and stuff like that. So um, long story short, after graduating high school, I was working, I went to attended a community college, which is in the same area in Ashland, Kentucky, Boyd County, um, at ACC, Ashland Community College. And f not having the structure as a youth, I never really could grasp and excel like scholastically. And I was never like a bookworm. I was more a physical person, hands-on type of person. So um, I was on the fringe of just trying to find what I wanted to do in life. So and, and I was working at a Waffle House, going to eight, going to college, uh, community college. And then one of my buddies who was a year behind me, one of my little brother's best friends, he had actually joined uh, depth in to the Marine Corps. So, and I was just talking to him one day. He was like, yeah, Dre. Freaking, um, I know you don't freaking like uh, doing this. He was like, what do you want to do? And I was attending community college to become a, a Kentucky state police officer. I was like, I want to do law enforcement. Um, <clears throat> he was like, look, check this out. Well, if you don't really like school, you can go talk to my recruiter and you, you can be a military police officer. They got military police officers and you do the same job just on a military installation. And I was like, do what? And I was like, all right. And I was like, well, I kind of want to join the army. And I was like, well, who'd you join? And I didn't even hear, I didn't even know about the Marine Corps. And then <laughs> my buddy Josh was like, yeah, just come with me. And I was like, all right, cool. So the next day I went out to the recruiting office and I remember <laughs> uh, Sergeant Webb, he was in there. He was like, what's up, motivator? Like typical freaking gung-ho Marine. He was like, what's up, motivator? He's like, Look, I'm going to tell you straight up. If you want money, or like an easy way, the the Navy's down the, down the hall this way, and then the Army's down this way. And he was like, you can go talk to them first, but if you just want a great career and a, a nice foundation in life, he's like, then you need to sit down and talk to me about your career path. And I was like, cool. So 
I was kind of hesitant at first. I talked to him and I took the ASVAB. So I didn't make it. He was like, what do you want to be? And he was a military police officer by trade. So, so it was pretty cool. So I was just picking his brain and he was, um, <clears throat> and he was PMO. So picking his brain about it. And as much as I heard, I loved it. So when I sat down and took the ASVAB, I didn't score high enough to be an MP. And then he was like, well, look, here's a list of things you do qualify for, or you can just keep the ASVAB study, stay in shape. And then in a month's time, get back up with me and then we can retake. You can take it as many times as you want. And then I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to hold off and freaking just and wait because I want that career field. So I, um, I held off, went and took it and I qualified. So I was like, hell yeah. So as soon as I got written, written down that uh, MOS locked in on paper, then I signed to DEP in. And then that's when I DEPed in. And then I got my ship date. Me and my, <laughs> I'm to us at the time, me and my uh, best friend who wanted uh, to talk me into going to talk to his recruiter, Josh, my buddy Josh, he, we uh, signed on the buddy system. So we went to boot camp the same time. Oh, nice. <clears throat> yep, yep. So, just like unknowing, as you can imagine, we got the shit end of the deal when we got yeah. the boot camp and stuff. We, they call us butt buddies and stuff. And oh, yeah. I'm always a fucking uh, people's person, down to earth, funny guy. So I had no bearing. And he'd always get in trouble and, and shit because of me. <laughs> so being from the East Coast, we went to Paris Island, um, <clears throat> joined um, in 2006. We went in. May. I wanted to go after my birthday. My birthday is in April 18th. So we went like the 3rd of May in 2006. Then we graduated in August, like the end of August, okay. almost September. And then of course, come home. I went back and uh, did recruiter duty and stuff like that. Assistance for 14 days. Then we went to, he, he was infantry. So he went to SOI and then I went to Geiger and stuff like that. Right. As you know, um, and then after going to uh, Geiger, then I got my went to Leonard Wood, got my seat in the schoolhouse. I lucked out because when I got to Leonard Wood, it was the platoon I was put in. Those guys had been there at Leonard Wood on work detail for like three months because the school was just that backed up. So, but when I touched down, we had to be on that detail for like a week. Okay. It was just prime time because a week of doing like um cleanup duty and media work and stuff like that around base. Then we got our freaking, um, our school freaking set. Right. Yep. MP 15, tag 16. Nice. And um, our MP class, it was 50 of us. Um, It was 40 guys and 10 girls. Yeah, so it was uh, 50 of us in our class, and upon uh, the MP schoolhouse was fun. I'm pretty sure you had your freaking fair share of fun and stuff down there. It was the same way. Great guys, great girls. It's a lot of maturing. And when I joined, I was already over 21, so I was a little, I was a little bit more mature than a lot of other people was with me. It was some young, young Marines and stuff like that, and it blew my mind. When I got to the schoolhouse, I was always on the assumption, especially during the military, you're going to have older, salty, like veteran, like leadership right. all the way. I was like, when I go to school, I'm going to be in school with older freaking Marines and stuff like that. For some odd reason, I thought this. But lo and behold, no. 
I'm in with new joints and freaking young freaking Americans. So, <laughs> so yeah, 18 year olds right out of high school. And absolutely. <laughs> yup. They haven't even had her, their legal first drink yet. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a mix, you know, from all over the, all over the country. Absolutely. It's a big mixed bag of nuts. So it was awesome. Yeah. Fort Leonard was a good time. <laughs> so when you got there, uh, so you joined in 2006, you got to Fort Leonard Wood yeah. and then um, we've talked about another podcast and stuff. And I know like in the canine community, yeah, yeah. Uh, did they have like a, the canine, you know, pipeline process then? Like you had to get selected there at MP school. Um, yes, yeah. we had a board. Um, it was six spots. They told us six spots were open. So they were like um, 10 of us. They selected 10 of us uh, depending on our, uh, GPA in school, PFT, and our pros and cons. So six spots open, 10 of us selected, and I was uh, chosen number three. Awesome. Um, and out of, out of our um, six that went. So I was very, very excited about that. That was pretty cool. And I've always, I've always liked dogs. I've never, ever owned a dog for a long period of time growing up. And I was like, hell, if I want to be a police officer, if I have the opportunity to be a next level police officer, a canine cop, hell yeah, I'm going to shoot for that. That's awesome. It's, it sounds fun, uh, rewarding, unique. So let's do it. Um, and that's not was selected. So whenever us six uh, graduated MP school, we got our orders cut. We went to uh, Lackland. And then our the rest of our MP class actually stood up a... Um, a unit, our platoon, there was our detachment. There was an MP, a field MP detachment that was tr- uh, traditional field MP, freaking hauling beans, bullets, band-aids, convoy security, downrange. Right. And those guys, like, as soon as they got to Lejeune, they were stationed at Lejeune. As soon as they got there, they had probably, I want to say, like 30 days uh, to get spun up. They did, was in the field for like 30 days, and then sh- and they freaking marched. They pumped out like immediately. Oh yeah, I bet. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, the like stuff was definitely picking up in Iraq at that time. Yeah. So they went, they deployed immediately to Iraq. Okay. Um, and we was keeping up with those guys and stuff like that. You know, we heard through the grapevine uh, a couple of guys uh, um, was like had a bad experience over there and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was rough, and I was just like, like shook and like just count my blessings like damn that could have been me i could have been right there right i was very very fortunate to be in this position um and not have to be in the shit so soon exactly so when you went through canine school so it's like let's say like towards the end of 2006 and what was um at that point as far as marine corps dog teams there's already a few coming coming back and forth through iraq and afghanistan to the war and then for going through the school how was like i guess the mindset was it still you know obviously it's very law enforcement based just a basic handler's course but did you have any like uh marine instructors that were you know telling you like hey when you get to your next unit like there's a possibility you could deploy absolutely yeah our instructor our instructors at uh a schoolhouse had did like at least one pump okay uh down range and then they had came up on their billet so then they were get pick up the instructor billet so they were letting us know there was like a marine and it was, uh, you know, it's like heartfelt because when you got, um, you, when you're in basic military working dog uh, house course, you got all branches in there. We had Air Force guys, Navy guys, um, and Marines and Army. So 
But the Marine instructors would be like, yo, let's go, man. Marines pushing us when we having bad days and stuff like that, picking us up. Because they've been there. They know what we're going to about to step in. So they were like just picking us up and picking everybody up across the board and stuff like that. But really taking us under their wing and getting our minds right and making sure we were rarely prepared and taking it serious. Oh, yeah, I bet. I mean, it's um, <clears throat> definitely, definitely at that point, the, the kind of like the mission was changing, you know, and, and I think everyone was kind of prepping anyone that they knew had the possibility of uh, using that capability downrange as much as they can. Because, um, yeah, I'm sure that would, like as soon as y'all got to the unit, the dog handlers were needed. And then it's uh, definitely a fast paced situation. So when, when did you graduate uh, handlers course? I graduated handlers course. Really, I'm, I'm trying to jog my memory. It had to be freaking like around 2000, like right early 2007 or something like that. Yeah, 2007. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Any- because when I got to the fleet, or my first deployment was 2008. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And so when you graduated Canada school, what was your what was your first unit? Like, uh, what did you go through? Obviously, Camp Lejeune. Oh yeah, freaking um. It was uh my, our first unit was um uh military working dog support company in peace uh section canine platoon okay um we were right there and if you're looking at the Lejeune statue our barracks were HP three hundred one right here okay it's an infantry battalion company office now last time we uh checked but that was our barracks and um <clears throat> was MP support company canine section. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so definitely yeah, MP support company. So at that point, that is the yeah, that's the field MP support company to support the the Marine Headquarters Group, MHG. Yep, yep, yep. And then the MEF, yeah. So you didn't go to PMO at all. No, I didn't. No, oh, I nice, yeah, same. <laughs> because after um I graduated basic, um we had um well uh Staff Sergeant Rotenberry. Okay. He was staff sergeant at the time. Yep. He had uh, talked to us at, on Lackland. I remember him coming in his blues, and he was recruiting for, I, I believe, HMX. And he was um, s- seeing if any dog handlers wanted to become an HMX dog handler. Um, and I was like, no, nah, I really don't want to do HMX because, you know, you hear the presidential helicopter, you're going to be doing a lot of sentry duty and stuff like that. Yep. So I was like, no, nah, I'll just freaking um, go to. And then they were like, well, there's another route to SSD. And I was like, SSD, what's that? And it was like, it's a new program. It was, it's really based. And prior to like me and the other two SSD handlers that were in my class, Marines, I think everyone else had went to Israel and learned the traditional um, SSD methods and training and stuff and got paired with their dogs and brought them, came to the, the States as a dog team. Right. Whereas we were like one of the first groups who get all received all of our training at Lackland through civilian contractors who's learned and trained over there and Marines who trained in Israel. And when we we're going to do SSD course, we were always paired with two dogs at a time, training our dogs when we're not running problems. And then once they, Hey, next dog up. And then we freaking grab our dog, put one up, grab the other and run in scenarios and seeing which dog have issues. The dog's peeing in the house are pinning on in the problems and stuff like that, using the restroom, dogs not cutting it, if a dog got aggression issues and stuff like that. Right. So we're just troubleshooting, learning as we go. 
Um, most of our dogs were green dogs with very little training. So we learned as an SSD handler to work out these issues, um, okay. to extinct any aggressive tendencies toward odor or work the recall or to cast your dog and to build a rapport. So from the ground up and stuff like that, um, opposed to, as you know, the regular um, pad handlers, you go to the fleet and then you're picking up a dog there and building that rapport. Right. Gotcha. So you were, so you were selected for the specialized search dog program right after, uh, handler scores. Yes. Okay. So you, no, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I stayed uh nine and a half months total, three months for the basic. And it was like four and a half months for SSD course. Okay. Dang. Yeah. That's a, that's a good straight, time. Straight through. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And then a- after being in SSD uh, school, we were a little bit, had a little bit more freedoms and stuff like that. And also we had the luxury of uh, certifying, le- training our dogs, certifying with them and going from Lackland to our first duty station. Okay, nice. So how many, uh, I'm going to assume like you worked multiple dogs, like how many dogs that were under your, your charge down at SSD? Um, Six, six in total, Okay, six in total. I remember the first two dogs I had was it was a big old male named uh, Martin and a little bitty uh, Traverne named Baps. Baps was in- environmentally unsound. She didn't work out. Um, and then Martin was aggressive. I would uh, build rapport and play with him. I think he fell out of uh, out of bite school and they tried to put make him SSD. Gotcha. I would engage and play with him with his toy. He had a large uh, rubber ball for his primary reward and he's good to go when I'm playing with him. And I'd put it up and then grab his flat collar to hook him up and he would bite my hand. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this ain't going to work. I need a new dog. <laughs> nice. And so, yeah, it's four and a half months. I remember yeah, hearing stories of like where the first uh, SSD courses were a little bit more in depth. You know, the dogs weren't necessarily pre-trained. You know, it was really on the handlers to learn, you know, do the detection, you know, get them on all the odors, imprinting, all the environmental factors, getting them in all the different search areas, teaching them patterns, obedience. I mean, it was it was a pretty in- intensive course uh, back in the day. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. How did, you, how did you like it, though? Like, what? Did you feel like you were rushed into it, leaving handler's course, or you kind of picked it up fairly quickly? I think I did pick it up very uh, fairly quickly. One thing I really liked about it was we were, our dogs were, one, you know, off-leash, exposed to detection, and they were supposed to be very social so and indifferent. So they can work off leash with minimal, with a lot of distractions, but minimal input, like uh, maximum impulse control. Right. And um, <clears throat> we would always, as far as the two, like the other two marine handlers, we would have our dogs. We'd go on rapport walks, let them play and stuff like that. Our dogs lose and then uh, recall our dogs, hook them up and go to work. And our dogs would be locked on. So it was a big challenge because when you have your dog on leash from the jump, just hooking them up and not really building that independence and stuff, yep. then that's a different dynamic opposed to having I'd go in and everywhere with shadow off leash and he would and I would like wait till he's like not paying attention I'd duck behind a tree and just see him like freaking out looking for me and stuff and coming sniffing and then when he like go when I'm upwind of him he'd freaking like turn and freaking bracket and work to me and stuff like that knowing my scent I was like it's freaking cool I loved it yeah yeah. it's uh, (laughs) it's funny that you mentioned that like I I pulled a trick on him downrange when I went into Porter John like I was he was like just taking a break and then I just like oh I'm gonna take a leak jump in really quick and I'm looking through the little the vents and he's like oh 
what, <laughs> what happened? But sure enough, like he's like, it's something new. He just instantly started searching for me and then worked his way back to, to me at the Porter John. It was just oh, one yeah. of those quick little funny things. Uh, yeah. So shadow, is that where you uh, were first teamed up with shadow? Like down at yes. school? Cool. It's like how, oh, so yeah. how long did you work when I'm sorry, how long did you work with him there um, before you guys chopped over? Like, um, <clears throat> I had worked with him for like 30 days. I had him and, he had a, a mild aggression uh, on older issue and I had to work that out of him. And then after that, he was my dog. They were like, you're going to every day. Um, after like two weeks, I already knew because I'd come in and if anything changed, they'd be like, Hey, uh, let's work with Hill. You're going to grab, uh, Blake and freaking shadow, Blake and shadow, Blake and shadow. And then it was one day you're going to grab shadow, just grab shadow. And I was like, all right, cool. So he's going to be my dog. So I need the freaking, and we got a good uh, rapport and everything. So I was like, hell yeah, looking forward to it. And he was nice. wide open. He was a knucklehead at first and having to wrangle him in. It was, I bet. yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a mission, but I loved it. It, it was yeah. awesome. How old was he when you first got paired up with him? He was, I want to say he was either, he was, he was young. He was like three three i want to say like three yeah nice yeah 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 so yeah he was pretty yeah i mean he was pretty he was up there in his age i think when you adopted him it was almost like 10 yeah 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 sure yeah um yeah so like you gotta put on shadow what was i guess if you can remember like your like your final like certification i guess before you guys hit the fleet like what was your last final test or where did that go like for ssd Um, it was pretty cool. We um was out at uh, Yuma Proving Grounds, um, and then we had like several like scenario based training ops, um, to get checks checks in the box, a uh, night op, day op, road clearing, uh, buildings, freaking, um, scenario based where we have to pursue someone through a village and search um different uh, danger areas and stuff like that, picking him up, hoisting him over walls, and it was two dog teams at a time. So if I'm working um, shadow, the other dog teams providing security. So we need to work on our communications, letting him not to know, not to uh, cross thresholds without uh, shadow searching and stuff like that. Uh, team concept of like searching and freaking progressing. Um, cool. And the uh, freaking Mount Town was at his embassy back then. It wasn't too much stood up as far as how it is now. Yeah. Or by my last pump out there. So, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, SSD, um, from what I remember, the SSD program at Lackland was really, I think they were the first ones to actually break uh, training at Uber at Yuma Proving Grounds, you know? Yeah. Because um, I believe the concept then was, you know, try to get the, the dog teams as much exposure ahead of time because we needed them to be prepared, right? Yeah. By the time they hit the fleet. So, yeah, and definitely you guys got it. I mean, you got green dogs, learn everything from, from scratch and then building that rapport. And also, like halfway, like towards the end of your course, like you guys would leave Lackland, go to YPG, yep. you know, do your final exercise, train up, certif- certify, and then come back. I mean, it's it was pretty, pretty intensive, yeah. And then definitely, yep. like two thousand seven timeframe, uh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't how it's very, it was in the beginning stages, I guess, you know. But absolutely, still a great time, you know. Like it's great exposure, I'm sure. Yep, yep. Um, definitely, I think you benefited from it for sure. Oh yeah, I really did. 
Yeah. So how did um so now you're you certified with Shadow, you're graduating SSD school. Yeah. And then you got sent to Camp Lejeune MP support company. Yeah. So as soon as you got there, what how was that environment? Like you showing up for your first unit uh, with a dog. So that's kind of on like nowadays, that's not how it goes. But I mean, I can imagine like Lance Corporal Hill with yeah. SSD shadow. Yeah. And it's like, yo, this is my dog. How did that go? Um, it, it went well because I think we had, uh, who was there? We, it was like a, uh, a couple SSD handlers. Uh, it was like one SSD handler that was there or something like that. So they were expecting us. Um, to come and, and it was me and the other two Marines in, uh, they went through the whole training with me. Um, they, they accompanied us also. So it was pretty cool because I had those guys to lean on and stuff like that. So it was a pretty welcoming experience. And even though being SSD, once we had a lot of veteran freaking pet handlers and we had to do our due diligence and catch dogs and stuff and still yeah, yeah. assist in training and setting up and running tracks for the CTDs and stuff like that. So, yep. So it was still the same uh, meat and potatoes as far as training and being a part of the canine community. So, right. Yeah. yeah I imagine you're still, <laughs> hey, you're still Lance Corporal. <laughs> Everyone's got to pull their weight. Yep. Yep. You know? You're still going to pull duty. Yep. And everything. So, uh, it's, um, so that's 2007. And do you know what, cause I know that there was an older kennel structure yeah. um, at, in Camp Lejeune. So was that the one over on Tower Road or were you already on Sawmill Road? Yep. It was on Tower uh, Tower Road over by the old uh, radio station. When you come on uh, base and before you get to the seven day and the light, the first light you would come to back in the day, it was over to the right back behind there. It was old okay. radio station and PMO was across this, uh, PMO was across the street and then the meth was across from that we had like 45 to 50 dogs when i got there that's a lot that's uh yeah it's definitely it's the the size of a meth platoon you know for the the expeditionary force that's good and then well on your time there did you guys move over to the new kennels yes we did yep but heck we did we moved over um i think after my second when i was coming home for my second deployment Okay. The new Marines had moved the transition. So we came gotcha. back home to the new ones. Gotcha. And we was like, holy smoke. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty nice. Huge. Yeah, these kennels are state of the art and everything. Yeah, so we were we were lucky. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. Didn't have to demeal those kennels. Yeah. And when and by the time my last deployment happened, I didn't have to deep meal like many fobs downrange either. We okay. worked out prior to that. Cool. And so when you got to um, the MP support company, you know, like you said, like you're you're getting you know training in, helping out the pet handlers and kind of picking their brain. Yeah. So at that point, um, a lot of the handlers, you know, were kind of already seasoned, right? They're they've had a couple of deployments. You know, they, it's a constant thing. We know that the 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 MEF MWD platoon yeah. was specifically set up for to support deployments. Absolutely. Um, how much longer? Like how long did you do a workup before your first deployment? How much? How long were you on Lejeune? Um, it was like mid two thousand seven. We uh ripped out in March. I'm gonna say March and two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah, and that's when my first deployment was like March two thousand eight. Yeah. Right, so that's uh, <clears throat> it came back. So then. not even, not even like less than a year of graduating SSD school. 
you're doing your first deployment. So what was your first deployment to? It was to Iraq. Um, my first deployment was to Iraq. Um, I was stationed in Ramadi. Yeah, I was stationed in Ramadi. And I'm trying to think. It was, I think I was the only SSD handler in Ramadi. I think I was the only SSD handler in Ramadi for a while. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, getting to Ramadi in Iraq. Now you're, you're kind of like the, the lone ranger out there being the only specialized search dog. Um, kind of what was your, kind of how was your experience? Like your, like early stages of the deployment, where is it kind of hard to get work or did everyone kind of embrace the new capability and want to use you a lot? It was slow at first. Um, but we did have, um, a good working relationship with, um, the government center in the uh, city center of Ramadi. So I would freaking, um, convoy out there and, um, stay there with the unit that was occupying that, the gov center and search vehicles, be a present, physical present, uh, vehicle detection and stuff like that. Um, and then later probably like, did that for like a month. And then when I would go back to um, Al-Assad to like refit, refuel, then they would be like, hey, uh, Hill, you you and Shadow is going to freaking uh, take freaking issues. I got uh, these mission orders, freaking pack up for two weeks. You're going to uh, get up with this unit and stuff like that and provide uh, detection capabilities for X unit at this place and such and such and such. So I was like, hell yeah. So this is what <laughs> I was like, all right, this is freaking new. Here we go. And it was crazy because, um, the, the fob, I forget where the, the, um, what the fob was called, but I touched down and then, <clears throat> so you know how in life you can never forget particular voices or faces, right? Right. Yep. So I touched down, I freaking got off the bird, dragged my kennel, dragged the food and shit up to, out of the way from the downwash of the freaking choppers and shit. So I'm getting situated, go to the company office, check in. They tell me which platoon I'm going to freaking uh, be opping with. So I'm settling in and then I hear this voice like, what the hell are you doing? And then he's like, come here. And then I was like, holy shit. And I instantly knew it was my senior drill instructor. So <laughs> no this, way. Oh, yeah. So the <laughs> infantry unit I was supporting he was a staff sergeant. He was still a staff sergeant, and he was the platoon uh, sergeant for this uh, squad that I was supporting. And then, oh, man. me being a lance corporal and unsure, when I touched down, I knew his friggin' authoritativeness. I was like, should I approach him and let him know I want to remember me? Like a lot of shit was going through my fucking, <laughs> going through my mind. So I was like, I want to feel you remember me. So and it's crazy because I'm gonna, uh, yeah, a little uh, cool story. During uh, my uh, best friend Josh that I went to the buddy uh, the boot camp on the buddy system with, he became company autograd. Out of three hundred okay. Marines, he freaking was the company autograd, and he uh, graduated boot camp as a lens corporal at a boot camp. So, and he remember, um, and we won like final drill and shit like that. So he remembered Josh, and then he remembered me. It jogged his memory. Like hell yeah, fucking hell. He was like, "What's up, man?" And I was like, not much. That's all right. How's it going? He was like freaking in the shit with you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, holy shit. All right, y'all, here we go. And then, um, so we just got settled in and just ran some like, um, ops out of the, out of our, uh, fob and stuff like that. And it was pretty cool. It was a cool experience. So I felt freaking like, 
emboldened. Like, I'm going to freaking lead this fucking way. And I was waiting for something to pop off. I was very edgy. I remember my first mission. Very edgy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> matter of fact, and when we, um, when I got to Ramadi, um, Gun, uh, Gunny Feliciano, he had, now that I uh, think about it, he was the SSD team that was stationed with me in Ramadi. So me and uh, Fizo was in Ramadi together. So that was okay. pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And hey, what a, um, the name sounds familiar. What what dog did he have? He had Donna. Okay, yeah, yeah Donna. Okay, I remember Donna. Yep, he had Donna. Awesome. Yeah. So you meet up with a fellow SSD handler. Yeah, that has to be pretty good to um, kind of bounce ideas off of each other, help each other train, and get situated. Yep, that's yep. definitely good. So um, just having you know a little bit of time in Iraq, and then what kind of training? I guess like uh, did you guys find out that you had to do, or you're just trying to keep up with like. Uh, the local explosives or anything like that. It blew my mind to realize like the explosive connects we had, um, was so freaking vast because we worked so close to freaking, um, EOD and the SEAL team. There was on shark. Well, there was, yeah. I don't know if I could like say the names of places and stuff over there, but yeah, you can, <laughs> it's just, it's, back in the day yeah yeah shit ain't there no more i guarantee yeah so uh yeah the uh, navy seal bases are right next to us and stuff we freaking always work with those guys whenever they come up with something or their handlers see something they would come over and let us know and we had a very experienced uh navy handler who was a pet handler that was attached to them he would bring it over he'd be like hey guys look this is what freaking we're finding out there doing like and they were like going after those guys that was making the shit so we always had a fresh inventory of it. And we were like, okay, how are you guys finding it? We need to freaking train like that. Put it here at this depth. Let it set time this long and stuff like that. So we had several places on base where we could, it was like uh, isolated, where we could uh, plant explosives that were uh, safe and let them set just so we can get that real world experience and saturation and stuff. Nice. <clears throat> Yeah, it's awesome to, to be able to have that opportunity and then have uh, the resources available uh, for you. That's, yeah, that's amazing. And do you remember, um, like, kind of, I guess, the what was, like, the IED threat there a lot? Was it kind of, like, small IEDs placed around, like, um, I guess, like, the cities? Or was it more like a, a vehicle-based IEDs or suicide vests? In the beginning, in the in the city, it was more... Uh, V-bit and S-V-bit. Um, but in all major roadways, you'd have um, more freaking like pressure plate for up-armored vehicles. So the gotcha. civilians can drive over them all day, but any track vehicle or freaking military vehicle would set them off. Um, so we would do a lot of um, convoy like security and sweeping danger uh, areas and stuff like that. So a lot of uh, units, we... I'm, I'm pretty sure we worked really close to when I was in Ramadi with like Task Force MP. So when they were going to resupply a unit uh, that was forward, they would just take a dog. And I went a couple, several times. And if they seen something that was abnormal and they would use us just, they would ask us and we'd give them a brief, I'd give them a brief, like our capabilities and limitations brief, which we learned in the schoolhouse. Um, right. This is what we can and can't do, will and won't do. Um, <clears throat> it's the best utilizes and we would freaking, I'd be like, hold, 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 anything sketchy, 
all right, freaking um, standoff, our procedures and stuff, dismount and stuff. And then I'd get out, like send shadow first, do a precursor sweep. And then I'd get down and freaking look, listen, feel, and then freaking started working him and set up my security element and stuff like that. So it was like textbook. And I was just like going like, by like training just kicking in and I was flying by the seat of my pants because everybody's like holding security and then watching the dog, holding security and watching the dog <laughs> and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool, man. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's awesome. <laughs> and I, I know in that kind of time, uh, the big, I guess like the SSD is obviously for the standoff, you know, the specialized search dog awfully standoff distance to put distance between, you know, any threat and then, you know, um, coalition forces, which is great. And also, I think we're, they always hit like the roadway searches, you know, like uh, <laughs> roadways, roadways, roadways. And then um, Iraq had like the long um, MSRs, like the ma- uh, main supply routes and stuff. Yep. So was that that kind of like that convoy security was really supporting those those like roadway searches and everything like that? Absolutely. Yep. So, yep. Um, supporting that. Or if we had guys on the ground, like a unit that was doing like a security presence patrol and they come across a suspicious vehicle, then we would freaking, they would call us and we would freaking roll out with EOD and search it. And then they would send a robot and search it and stuff like that. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Definitely, definitely a lot of use for oh, the yeah. dog at that time. Absolutely. Um, now, did, was there anything on your first deployment that you saw that you kind of wish you had more exposure or more training time, whether it was like SSD school or your workup on Lejeune? Or do you feel like, you know, eh, it was kind of, like you said, textbook and everything you've kind of felt prepared? Um, I really and truly felt prepared. I, um, only thing I didn't, I did like hit me hard is like whenever we're on the fob and like we would get like, um, uh, IDF indirect fire, like that freaking, freaking shocked the shit out of me. And I was like always uneasy. So I, I'd much rather been like, off of freaking Camp Ramadi because Camp Ramadi, they would just send rockets, mortars and stuff every so often. And I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> and then I was like, shit. And because we were staying in like these um, Vietnam style freaking like huts, like they're risen like wooden huts. Right. And I was like, a freaking mortar around the layer here, all that freaking lead's going to zip through this bitch like a, <laughs> like <laughs> a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it, it would like we'd be sleeping and like around would come in and then Shadow would get up and bark and stuff like that and we freaking see how close it was before we made a move and shit like that. But that's the only thing I wasn't prepared for in actuality. Yeah. As far as operating and comfortable about talking and communicating my capabilities and and the and it was awesome that the Marine units and Army units I worked with, they were freaking all about, all right, what do you need? And yeah, yeah and providing it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, definitely, definitely hearing that they're they're welcoming and they they actually want to use you as a as a capability. And then at the same time, you know, definitely set an example for for the SSD capability, but also the Marine Corps. You know, like being a lance corporal, you know, having that responsibility with a dog, you're caring for him yeah. uh, nonstop. And then at the same time, like senior leaders, like your drill drill instructor, <laughs> they didn't expect to see him. <laughs> you know, like yeah, staff sergeants and uh, and higher, you know, are definitely depending on you. So it definitely, definitely puts you in a situation where you have to really be, you know, that that subject matter expert, that professional, you know. That and I think that's awesome that you got got to do that in your first pump. Absolutely. Uh, so when you're coming back towards the end of deployment, 
and then uh, you you're already rotating back out um how was like your changeover did you guys have a lot of like new new dog teams fresh dog teams coming in did you get to talk to him at all before you left um yeah um yeah we had like a if i can like it's hard to remember but it was like a really short turnaround probably like three days where they would land on our fob we'd spin them up on like after action and stuff like that they would uh accompany us shadow us on the patrol where they would leave their dog or some uh dog teams would bring their dogs as well outside of the wire but they would keep them on leash and just observe us work and stuff like that during um left foot right foot changeovers um and then we would rip out so gotcha. so yeah just enough that's all you, all you get three days <laughs> yep yep absolutely yeah and so now you uh you left your first deployment you come back to lejeune um what was your kind of like kind of what was the 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 mindset and the feeling then was it still everyone's pretty active training because i remember the mp support company i mean they were kind of like on their own and doing everything they needed to do <laughs> yeah. and so did you get a chance to like help out the new guys kind of share your experiences and prep them for their whatever they had to you know go through absolutely and it was uh crazy because at the time it wasn't like um <clears throat> the guys because um before the we start doing like one, two, and third math rotations, we were um, getting guys from the other two handlers and teams from the other two picking and pull, and they would combine. Okay. If they would look at the like the the battlefield and be like, "All right, this is how many SSDs we're going to take down range and uh, pads and everybody else." So we would be a, an encompass of a mixed bag of nuts deploying, yep. opposed gotcha. to everybody guys we train with on the daily. So they would all meet. We would all meet up and then do a workup and and rip out. Yeah, ones and twosies from all over the place still. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, they would all congregate and coming through. Did you ever remember um, at that point, like, were there, did you ever see like any PMO handlers like chop over to support the meth at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we had uh, several actually, several yeah. cool guys. <laughs> yep. Nice. And I was like, holy smokes. And I was thinking because even in the schoolhouse, like, we, especially being an SSD handler, we certified in, in the desert and real scenario based training and stuff. And pr like, besides like going to a mount town, this like cinder blocks and stuff on Lejeune, I was like, I, these guys ain't really never like trained for what, how we've trained. So I was like, I wonder how they're going to fare and stuff like that. Um, but they did really well, especially when we went to out west and did our workups and stuff like that. They freaking was hooking and jabbing like, uh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good. Did you ever um, get a chance to go through, I guess, like the deployment course at YPG when when it was going through at all before your your following deployment? <clears throat> um. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Like before my second deployment, we'd always go to uh, YPG and awesome. and stay there for I forget how like a two weeks or something like that. I forget how long it was, but yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd stay out there, uh, acclimate. Freaking train, work up, do our freaking uh, shooting packages and stuff like that. Unleash with the dogs and stuff like that. And yep, yep scenario based training, daytime, nighttime, uh, first day CPR, freaking weapons familiarization, freaking ID, um, the latest and greatest on what the freaking the enemy's doing and stuff like that. So it was pretty well put together, especially even, even from my first pump to my second pump. So when you're getting out to to YPG and you're getting, you know, that exposure training and everything, uh, I remember when I went through, I was using 
well, I was using radios with shadow and I know shadow, like when I picked him up and, uh, we did like our little eight week course, he was pretty familiar with it, you know? So I don't know, like, uh, did you introduce that to him or when it, when in his, like, I guess, training life, did you start introducing like the radio capability with uh, shadow? It was during our, like right, right before our third pump actually in Afghanistan. Okay. Yep. Yep. It was like before our third pump. Yeah. I had all the freaking Israeli guys were doing it, but we were more freaking um, verbal body language and stuff. Yep. Those guys were more robotic and remote. We uh, tactical. We were more yeah interactive. So, but then I started to hey, let me freaking get into it because our uh, unit had bought the radios and there was like here, and then we had the leadership and the guys who understood how to um, the process of acclimating them to that. Um, and getting him used to hearing it, hear my voice through it and not spinning around in circles looking for me and stuff. <laughs> so, yep, it was a slow transition <clears throat> right before my third uh, deployment. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So now, um, how much long, how long did you stay on Lejeune before you pumped out in your second one? And where did you go in your next second one? So we went, like, uh, the end of my first one, we came, it was 2000, like, uh, March 2008. And we came back at the end of 2008 and then I freaking volunteered to rip back out, um, March of 2009. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Just like, Hey, just take me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll freaking go back down range. I was single. I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I was single, no kids and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, and the money was, was worth it. Is seeing the money and I'm like, hell yeah. And I liked, um, being like living with my dog and stuff opposed to being on Lejeune and he's in the kennel and me and my freaking barracks and stuff like that eating freaking <laughs> at the chow hall. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yep. So it was less than a year and we ripped out again, same time frame, um, like March of 09, we came back, um, right before like the end of 2009. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it's almost like the same rotation just a year later. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. So we probably had like four month turnaround. I want to say. Okay. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, so, did anything you feel um, was majorly different from your first pump from between your second pump? Uh, like, what was the big differences between the two deployments? Um. Yes. Um. The my second pump, I was freaking um, me and um this handler named Colbert. We we're actually um we started out at Alkaim. Okay. Um, and like, um, Northern Iraq, like above Ramadi. And then we got stationed. They were like, Hey, what the heck? Oh, uh, it was like freaking, um, uh, Culver and what's your name? You don't supposed to be here. You supposed to be freaking replacing, uh, at the time, Staff Sergeant Whitmire and the other SSD team, another, uh, two more SS, another SSD team down, uh, working with the, attached to the army and, uh, Diwania, Iraq. It was closer, right on the outskirts of, uh, Ramadi, Diwania, Iraq. Um, at uh, Fob Echo, and then I was like, "Crap! All right, cool." Cause we were just getting settled in, so we had to freaking button up again, pack our crap, uh, jump on a bird, and we flew out and stuff. And it was pretty cool. And that was the, I think the first time I had met South Sergeant Whitmar. He was cool as cool as hell. Great, Damn. great fucking guy. So, uh, um, met those guys. They turn over. They spun us up. Um, and that was a pretty rough deployment. Um, I don't know if it was because of where that base were or what was going on, but that base was hit 
um, pretty often and stuff as well. Um, and uncomfortable to be at, but when you were outside of the wire and chasing the people who shoot, uh, shooting mortars and stuff, it was a better place to be opposed to be a sitting duck. So yeah, that was a pretty tough deployment. It was a pretty tough deployment. Cool. And did you, uh, end up working kind of like the, like sim- similar units or the army or the Marine Corps and just kind of doing the same thing with, uh, kind of just supporting any kind of explosive detection needs that they requested? Absolutely. Yeah. We would, um, support the, the army, like base security. We would go just out the, uh, either gate do a combat patrol we would do ambush uh patrols for the people um hitting our base we would do daytime patrolling ops if we got intel on um a possible id and x uh, location we'd go sweep it find clear and stuff like that um uh, security patrols combat patrols like uh movement to to contact and stuff like that so we were doing at that point a little bit of everything in that area that area was still freaking bad yeah, I'm supporting like the infantry units that were like um, at the FOBs. Yeah, so yeah, just all over the place. Like I think uh, it's definitely in that time frame. Everything was still pretty busy, and you know there's oh, yeah. plenty of work for for everyone yeah. out there. So on with your so you had at this point you had two two deployments to Iraq. Uh, was there ever a time where I mean like you definitely I guess solidified. Um, like your purpose as an SSD handler there, like with Shadow, like what was, like, did you, you want to share anything where you said like, yeah, this is why I'm here. Like just here with my dog and providing this capability. Oh yeah. Freaking, um, several missions, um, in Iraq, we found, um, like 1500 German aircraft, anti-aircraft rounds when I was with, uh, working with uh, third recon, um, at Ramadi, um, helped them, uh, uh, find and locate those. We got into a big firefight um, <clears throat> and helped take down some bad guys, like personally got into a firefight, shot some guys, uh, <laughs> and just freaking anytime, especially my uh, deployment to, at my second deployment in Iraq, um, we didn't find any uh, IEDs or anything. I did on my first one and found some uh, one ID, some uh anti-aircraft rounds, German anti-aircraft rounds. My second deployment was smooth sailing and find anything, no contact. And then in my last pump, um, we found an uh, IED um, on the footpath. And then also freaking just being a a physical example on having young IDD uh, uh, handlers with us and dropping knowledge on them and helping them um, better their capabilities because the way they were training this stuff could um, be improved. So me and another Marine um, that was there, <clears throat> he was a pad handler. We would definitely set up the proper scenarios and stuff and get those guys where they need to be. Because at that point, it was, hell, most of them had any, it was their first pump. And at that time, it was me and uh, Cobra's second pump. Well, it, it was uh, my third and I think Cobra's second. Gotcha. And that was on your third deployment where you ran into the the IDD dogs, right? Yep, yep, yep. I was uh, okay. stationed at Kajaki. Okay. And we were supporting uh, a, a unit, uh, artillery unit, who, who had um, IDD dogs attached to them, their handlers. Gotcha. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't mind, um, kind of like we've it's been discussed previously, but 
I don't think we've actually identified what it is, but if you don't mind just explaining like what the IDD is. Okay. So the IDD is a improvised detection dog. So they're, they're, um, if you ever look at hunt, hunt, uh, test and field trial dogs, how retriever dogs are trained, whether they're, uh, uh, force fetched or I forget the other method of teaching them to like run like point to points to retrieve birds. So they, they teach the dog odor detection and then they teach them how to the same way as a hunt test. Our field trial dog is taught to be cast and handled to be sent out at a distance. <clears throat> That's how they're trained. The ideal was to train the dogs up and have them the hat, uh, a handler go through a three week course and be paired with the dog. Um, and they have the same explosive scent kit that they're trained up on as the military, regular military working dog, um, is trained up on. Um, but the difference is when they go to, when they went to, um, K2 solution in North Carolina, they were paired with their dog and then they would deploy. And at the end of their deployment, they would return the dog and that dog would recycle, reclass and pick up at another Marine, uh, handler, get paired with another handler. Um, and they would do a workup too, because most of them were infantry units. So they would go to CACs, come graduate, uh, K2, go to YPG, go through CACs and then deploy. <clears throat> yep. So that's what the IDD program is. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So that's essentially that they're, they're just strictly infantrymen paired up with uh, a dog to meet that capability. Yeah. We had, and, uh, we had, we had infantrymen. They had engineer, uh, marine oh, engineer right, yeah, units. Um, yeah, I, be- I believe that's it. Well, any O3 and engineer down like a uh, deployable unit, they, c- they could handle an IED, be paired with an IED. Yeah, combat gotcha. engineers and, and uh, infantrymen. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, so the IED program uh, was definitely uh, different. Yeah, it was definitely part of the the Marine Corps program, but it was kind of just like um, the way we described it in uh, in Massey's um, podcast. It's just like there wasn't enough of you guys to go around like the traditional, you know, military working dog handlers. To they couldn't meet the the, the demand so much, and Absolutely. so they put out that the IDD program to to meet that that demand. And you know, definitely uh, good and bad things. I mean, with with all dogs, you know, dogs are are proven, but not perfect. You know, it's a good saying. Yep. Yeah. Um, but after, after your second deployment and then you come back to Lejeune, yep. uh, how, how fast was, how fast was that turnaround between you go before you went to your third deployment? Um, it was a little bit later. I think we went, uh, mid, it, we went like around, Oh, we landed in country. Like, uh, it was right after around Christmas. It was like cold. Okay. Like we landed in December. Oh yeah, how many December? Here? Yeah, we landed in like right like um in December, like early December. And I remember we came home in two uh, in two thousand ten, December two thousand ten, and we came home Fourth of July in two thousand eleven. <clears throat> yeah, we got Fourth back. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So that was um. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I remember. Us going home kept getting pushed to the right. Yeah, I bet. And so that was in Afghanistan, right? 
Yep, and that was to Afghanistan. Yeah, and so how did uh, you said you were in the Kajaki area? So obviously Afghanistan and then Iraq is you know it's still the Middle East, but there's major differences in there. Like, what was the kind of the biggest difference that you saw between like working in Afghanistan and then versus working in Iraq? Um, it was more really more rural because even working like in Iraq when I was, uh, working around like, uh, like Ramadi and the other cities, it was like more city based. We really didn't work like rural much at all unless I was like with recon, but with the conventional like military like units in Afghanistan, we were like in <clears throat> like <laughs> freaking, uh, in the green zone and freaking remote. It was like weird. So no really close engagements, like everything from afar. And it was just like wide open, a lot of freaking uh, greenery, uh, traversing canals and nasty. It felt like I was in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. I'm much, if I had the freaking do it again, I, I definitely picked Iraq because I felt like the, the freedom of movement was easier. Okay. Like, cause you were dry all the time and comfortable. So if you had a freaking scoot, you could. But whenever you're in Afghanistan, you'd be freaking taking cover in the nastiest places and freaking slugging it and freaking. It was just tough. It was a tough, tough deployment. Yeah. And different. <clears throat> so when, uh, so like Afghanistan, like you kind of, like you said, it was more rural. And like Kajaki, uh, did you have like a fob there that you were kind of um, based out of and working out of? And I'm, I'm assuming like that fob obviously wasn't as built up as like the green zone in Iraq. So, I mean, just that portion itself, you know, working out of, you know, kind of like a, a really austere environment at all times. Yeah, it was, um, it was like a freaking, um, it was like an old resort or something that we occupied on a dam and we were the, the uh, unit that was there was protecting this dam, which was a vital resource for everything like South of the like six eleven, like for the major highway and any and everything in the green zone South of Afghanistan. Um, the Taliban really wanted that area. Um, and we were really adamant about not giving it to them. So while I was there, uh, supporting the, the, um, like the unit on the dam, we would just very rarely do a lot of overnight missions. I push out for a long time. But then um, right before we had left, there was a unit, an infantry unit um, that really took over and saturated the area and stuff and made a big, made a big push um, because we were always like drawing fire and stuff because we would go out, uh, have a firefight and then freaking come back and go out, freaking call for fire. And the unit I was supporting was an uh, RD unit. So we would freaking cough a fire, get contact, cough a fire, blow a crap ton of stuff up, and freaking head on back when the smoke clear and everybody stopped shooting. So we just freaking pack it up. And then we set in for some ambush patrols and stuff because in the green zone, they had a knack for just trying to freaking lace the tree lines and stuff like that with IEDs. So we'd go out and do clear misses and um, bombing and with engineers and blowing up tree lines and getting our freaking uh, egress routes and approach routes and movement routes and stuff like that, keeping them off, like off balance. So they can't understand where we're going or where we've been. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's good. It sounds like it's pretty busy, um, with the, <laughs> the groups on the ground and then you working alongside like the IDD program. What did you ever see like any, 
I guess like favoritism, like they would prefer to work with like you more or like some of the IDD handlers or to, was that would kind of like equal, like they still wanted the dog regardless? Uh, it, it was pretty equal. The unit uh, loved their IDDs, especially when we got there. They, they were kind of, uh, the handlers were young and kind of inexperienced and wouldn't want to put their foot down and tell their command what they needed. But once we got there, we were like, look, the living conditions for the dogs aren't the best so they're subpar so if we want to keep our dogs in tip-top shape we're going to need this and that um if all means we got up with um we didn't have much in the way of training aids and stuff when we got there so we had to bring some um drop aids and stuff and we had to te- we reiterated and taught them how that when their dog is getting spent or bored we got to drop aids pep them up and stuff like that the proper use of drop aids to keep them going to keep your dog proficient and stuff like that um <clears throat> And we, and they loved us. So they love their dogs too. Awesome. And then now this deployment in Afghanistan, um, was this one of, uh, the giant pushes, like the whole platoon, like you're talking like 20 plus dogs when you, the, you deployed with like a lot of dog teams left Lejeune into, um, uh, into the Afghanistan. And I think it was like Camp Donahue. Um, yes, we, yep. We, um, had like 2016, I want to say ripped out i want to say yeah it was it was a bunch of us i remember it was a bunch of us because i got the our uh unit picture and then it's a gang of us so yeah we were freaking deep nice and then so at this deployment you said you came back in like july of 2011 <laughs> and then how was i guess like that time frame for you the did you stick around much longer or did you were close to like getting out of the marine corps how, how was that yeah, at that point, um, prior to going, like the 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 uh, numbers were low, and they asked guys who were up to get out. At that point, I was wanting to get out, and then they asked it was like, "Hey, uh, Corporal Hill, will you st- uh, extend for months uh, to go on this deployment? And when you get back, um, you got you can uh, transition, give you enough time to do steps and taps." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, why not?" Because the guys need us and stuff like that, and we, we look like. Um, and I was like, yeah, fucking I'll go. Um, so me and like three other people like extended to go. Um, and then during our pump, we needed a couple combat, re- uh, re- re- uh, replacements cause shit that happened. So, um, all the while when I got back, I just started transitioning out and I was like cl- counting my blessings at that point. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to fucking risk it anymore. I was like, I need to freaking do something different. And I was like, just like. Stuck. I was like, like just like over at that point, right? Yeah, imagine. I mean, you did uh, some pretty quick, you know. Well, you did three deployments almost back to back. You know what I mean? And there's not a lot of downtime. I mean, it definitely changes everyone's perspective for sure. Um, yeah. So after your transition out of the military, um, did you have kind of like a, a goal or a job in mind to keep you focused and uh, what you want to do afterwards? <laughs> Um, I didn't actually. At first, when I got out, I moved back home to Kentucky to Louisville, um, <clears throat> and just started just uh, decompressed for a while, right. um, and enjoyed and spent time with my family. Um, and then I was like, "What I want to do?" And then a couple of our my buddies had got out. <clears throat> Other handlers I worked we worked with had got out, and they were working with K Two Solutions in North Carolina. 
So they asked me, yo, Dre, they need experience, freaking training experience and handling experience at K2. You want to need a job? And I was like, why not? Because I'm still freaking single, young, and I love training dogs, being around dogs. And most, and a lot of the guys I've worked with while Lynn active duty were working at K2. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And the money was good too. Nice. And so now with K2, um, and then obviously K2 was the main contractor for the IDD program at that time. Did you get a chance to go back downrange as a civilian with a, for K2? Yes. Yep. Um, when I was, uh, I worked with them for one year in the States, just uh, training handler courses. Um, and then the second year, one of the, it's called an FSR, field service representative. He had like an emergency problem he couldn't deploy. And then they asked me, they were like, well, hell, um, Andre's freaking experience. He got three deployments downrange. They wanted experience, downrange experience. And they wanted someone who had a, uh, clearance. And at the time I was, I still had my clearance, active clearance. So that was like a shortcut, not having to get someone uh, cleared and stuff to deploy. Um, so I was like, yeah, and the money was right. And the timing was right. So I was like, yeah, I'll freaking be an FSR. I was like, well, I gotta do, they spun me up. And then I trained with the, <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> three, four infantry unit at uh, 29 Palm. Um, I believe that's the unit. It, it, they were at a uh, 29 Palm. Uh, and we stayed out there for the longest time, uh, going through CACs and doing our work up and stuff like that. And, um, after the three weeks in North Carolina, then we just ripped out and I went downrange with them. Yep. So I was, um, at Leatherneck for a while. And then their hub was at Shigvani. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, and then out of Shigvani, I went there for a while with the main uh, hub and then went out to the PBs where all my teams were, checked on them, set up scenarios, like brought food and stuff like that, make sure the dogs are uh, in good uh, uh, kenneling facility, makeshift kenneling facility and stuff like that, and just reported back and stuff and did that for eight months until we ripped back home. So, Yeah, that, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, you know, we're able to, to get back in the same, kind of the same capacity, but now you're, you're spinning up, especially the – handlers that need it the most, you know, like they're out there that are still getting used and then definitely giving your experience and helping them prepare, um, for whatever they're going to get used at. And, you know, and especially these guys are like you mentioned earlier, like they're, they're junior handlers or the junior infantrymen. They don't know how to speak up and advocate for themselves, you know, and I'm sure, uh, yeah. I'm sure they appreciated that. Absolutely. And so when, uh, when did you, when did you leave K2? Like when was your last rotation out of uh, when did you leave Afghanistan as a K2 employee? It was two, I'll say <clears throat> right after our deployment. So if I got out <clears throat> in 2011, so I worked for like K2, like all of 13, all of 14. And then, <clears throat> yeah, all of 14. And then I had uh, deployed with them and came back. So, and then I got out probably like, uh, stopped working with them like around 2015. Awesome. Now, and then so I think, yeah, whenever, yeah, I showed up in Afghanistan with Shadow. It was uh, early 2013, and then we went into the summer of 2014. So we were leaving in July of 2014. And I think you had just left because uh, one of the other employees recognized Shadow. <laughs> 
And he's like, oh man, this is, this is Hill's dog. It's like, yeah, oh, he was just here, you know? And, um, and definitely there were still, you know, I think it was one of the last groups of, of I forgot what, I want to say the infantry unit was one nine, but it was also an engineer unit as well there that had IDD dogs. And, and I think they were, that was the last rotation for them to be there. But yeah, so definitely, um, yeah, a wide range of experiences and then coming back in and doing, you know, more support for K2 and then, now, uh, do you still find yourself working with dogs at all, at all, like right now? Yes, I do. So, <clears throat> um, like four years ago, we just, we started, um, with the help of my wife, we started training, like training dogs ourselves. started our LLC, um, created a logo, uh, named it after Shadow, after he, um, <clears throat> passed, named it after him, decided because I was like, man, if I've been working with dogs and training dogs so long for other people. Oh, yeah. So I decided I've been doing it for uh, uh, for the longest time. Also, I was a civilian uh, contractor working um, with a TS clearance for two companies in uh, Northern Virginia and D.C., working like on Port Belvoir, working um, right around the corner from the White House um, on the National Mall. Right. Um, for different companies, MSA, MCI, and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? Instead of being at the Kennedy Center downtown DC, I was like, instead of being on someone else's time, I can just train dogs, train pets. And then with the help of my wife, yeah, we started um, K three seven one dog training. Awesome. Yeah, it was like four years ago, and then we've been just rocking and rolling ever since. Been very freaking uh, blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, a lot of a lot of handlers find their way back in the canine in any way, shape, or form, and then you know, even the pet pet business and just personal dog training has blown up in the last couple of years. And uh, it's yeah. not it's not unknown that you know pet owners love their dogs, you know, so they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna want to get that training finally. You know, everyone everyone sees these well trained dogs on TV, and you know they want oh, that yeah. that same thing. Whether or not they can maintain it, eh, it's on them. But, Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, that's one of the biggest struggles with it. It's like you got like an inactive lifestyle, but you got a freaking over um, a highly driven dog. So yeah. you need to freaking get on, get, <laughs> catch up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like how you, he um, handles, he or she handles so well for you. Yeah, he goes, I know <laughs> I'm experienced. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And so with um, with Shadow being your primary dog, uh, you're in you're pretty much your entire career. Um, yeah, so Shadow Kilo three seven one, and you took him twice to Iraq, once to Afghanistan, and I took him on his fourth deployment. Um, what was I think? Look, we want to share like your most memorable moment, or just working with Shadow. Like if you can describe him as a dog, and just in general, like working <laughs> with him in those three those three deployments. Um, one, he was always he would he would just work to death. He would just work to death whenever. I wasn't up to par sometimes and I was freaking sluggish and wearing down because we've been on a freaking five hour patrol and we just got chance to get him in a little bit of shade for a second just to catch his breath and, and not to pant so hard. As soon as I needed him to work, he was right up to, to speed and just uh, up front and willing to work. Um, it, <clears throat> it wasn't anything that I've went to search downrange that he wouldn't freaking approach search and indicate properly. 
um, except one time we uh, was approaching this house and on the back of this house, big ass connect box and it had like a tarp draping on the front. So <clears throat> I approach it, draw the curtain back and it was like spoiled meat in there. As soon as I moved the curtain, a shit ton of flies flew out and it was like, bzzz, like all kind of buzzing and shit and shadow turned around and took off. And I was like, what the <laughs> shit? <clears throat> yup. And then, and then that was the only time he wouldn't go in there. And I was like, come on, Bubba, try and get him. Hey, come on, let's go, let's go get it. And I'd go in there. <clears throat> so I was like, hey, y'all, you guys just stay back. I'm going to freaking go in here. And then I stepped in and systematically searched and stuff um, myself. And I looked back when I, on the, when I was walking out. I, t- I looked back and it was a couple Marines um, watching me, a couple Marines on security. And then Shadow sitting there watching me like, hey, is anything in there? Because I'm not going in there. And it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then one time, it was a mission. We had an early morning mission in uh in Afghanistan and we were uh, going in the green zone and it was freaking cold. We had just got up to Kajaki and we had this uh, going over this canal and it had probably like three feet of water in it. So we were traversing it. All the Marines were traversing it with this ladder, with this six foot ladder, collapsible ladder to stay out of the water. So we don't get hypothermia, but he was going across it too. And he was like, and I was, <laughs> I, was I went across first and I told him sit, I crossed it. And I, I was like, okay, here. And then he was coming across. And then in the middle, he started like shaking. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then lo and behold, he like fell in the water. But then he, he was just chipper about it. He freaking was just trotting around in the water. And he ran up the embankment and stuff and just stopped and shook off. And then he was like, let's rock. And still like still chipper about it. And I was like, hell yeah, man. I was like, I know that's cold as shit. But he had the thick cold and a freaking and the perfect personality. Yeah. Our demeanor to freaking keep pressing. And he just kept pressing and never faltered. <clears throat> yeah, man. That's uh I can d- just imagine like his his face or like his attitude on that in those situations, but definitely yeah. similar experiences. <laughs> he was a well seasoned dog by the time I picked him up. And mm-hmm. you know, definitely appreciate the hard work that you put in with him. And but even um and then shout out to even the the senior SSD guys. Um, they're at Lejeune that maintained him, you know, cause he still, he was, he was a big old, big old lab. He's not nothing, no small lie. This guy was 75, 80 pounds. He's a hoss. Yeah. He was <laughs> a big dude. And, uh, and definitely that had a hard headed, you know, mentality and personality, but worked through some little issues, same little stuff, you know, aggressing on odor, wants to yeah. mark on everything. But man, yeah. when it was work mode, like he knew, like he knew exactly what was going on. Like if it was a uh, open air search or you know, a roadway search, whether it's in training and even downrange, it's like he was comfortable. Like he's done this before, you know, at that point, man, I want to say I got him when he was, you know, like seven ish, maybe eight around there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then he was already seasoned, like he's set in his ways. And there were some times where it's like, yeah, I'm not alpha to shadow at all. Like this guy is driving the train, but it was, it was definitely a good, a good match. And it's definitely a privilege to, to work with a dog like that for sure. And, um, yeah, yeah, I can remember some times where it's like that betrayal of trust, like that stare in your face when you send him in a bad area. And I remember, um, yeah. there's a, this little, little, like is a productive spot, a little hole inside of yeah. a, a compound. And I sent him in there and then I heard like this ruffle just coming out and I see like chickens come out and I was like, oh man, <laughs> I sent him in a chicken coop and he just runs out and he's like panting because it's like, what <laughs> like he's like how did you send, why did you send me in there you know I'm yeah like, i feel bad so it's like give him a little bit to breather he was like just like shocked and it's like, oh, my <laughs> bad, bro. like 
it's like let's keep going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh oh yeah. No, he can definitely take it and it's um and then it was a yeah, definitely a pleasure to work with, you know, him and then also to you know, just being around and having the capability with other guys and then uh, you know, like just having yeah. a Labrador, especially a big one, brings everyone back like home. Like you see guys that you know, like hey, I like you know, it looks just like my lab back at home and stuff <laughs> and then even my personal lab, uh, Hunter, he's a big old yeah. boy too. And I mean, if it, if if Shadow <laughs> was a yellow lab, it'd be Hunter, like spitting image. That's awesome. Him. That's cool. But it's definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, he was one of a kind. And I know you got got a chance to adopt him. I know, like when, yeah, obviously when he came up for age, and at that point the SSD program was really changing a lot of techniques and tactics, or just like training techniques. So there's a lot of older SSDs that need to go. And it was rightfully so. Like he definitely deserved his retirement, and I wasn't in yeah. any position to take him, and nor that I I wanted him. I didn't want to, you know, take that away from you. But definitely, I'm glad that you know you gave him that camp couch, you know, in those last couple of years. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, definitely, <clears throat> definitely good for him. Yeah, I, that was one of the uh, best things that I've experienced with him, being able to retire him and bring him home, and he got to meet my daughter because um, I have a child through um, a stepchild through my wife and then I had my own child and he got to meet her and she got to hug him and stuff and meet him before he left us so that was one of the coolest things ever and I got pictures of him with her yeah she was one (laughs) man that's awesome yeah yeah so just uh to wrap it up I mean for you covered a lot you know definitely of had a big range of experience with the SSD realm and then, you know, both Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, for any, obviously there's a lot of new handlers coming in. Uh, is there any kind of, I guess, advice that you would say to any new handler in any service um, that's coming in through the program now, you know, like just, you know, little tidbits or something that could help them in the future? Um, I would say anyone who joins the military, especially become a working dog handler, it's so much to learn and to gain in general because I freaking just joined as a lonely old young American and learned a wealth of knowledge. I didn't, uh, I weren't, I wasn't fortunate enough to go to DTS to learn like traditional dog training methods and stuff like that as an instructor or a trainer at Lackland, but the NCOs and the Marines I worked beside and the army and, uh, Navy personnel I worked beside who shed light on, and knowledge on me and pass it down and I I just reciprocated it and continue passing it down and and it's a wealth of knowledge and you can take it as far as you want um it's one of those careers it's luckily especially in the meth side I don't know if it'll come back more likely in wartime it will but it's one of those careers that you can definitely pursue once you're out um unlike some infantry stuff it's very hard to stick with some MOSs once you get out, but K9 is definitely one. You can do it for yourself or do it uh, for a company. So the sky's the limit. It's definitely a great opportunity. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. It's um, like, you know, hearing kind of like how you got into the end of the Marine Corps, you know, and it always, it's good because I felt the same way when I joined, you know, like it just, it gave me a purpose. Right. And then it wasn't all about K9 joining. I had no idea that MPs where there was a K9 opportunity but for sure, it definitely gave me a uh, structure and opened up a bunch of doors that I, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't, it wasn't because of uh, anything else other than the dog world and canine, you know? Yeah. Andre, it's been 
an awesome, you know, pleasure. I've just been an honor, you know, talking about, you know, your experiences and then hearing even, you know, stories on shadow, you know, and, um, and your time outside of, of the Marine Corps and then working as a contract and also pursuing the pet business or just dog training in general. Yeah, you know, I can't thank you enough for uh, sitting yeah. it down and sharing it with everybody else. So really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks, Marco. Thanks for the opportunity. And this is a great, great thing you're doing. Well, it's something that needs to be done and you're the man for the job. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. So hopefully it does well and people will listen in. So thanks. Hell yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation and hearing Andre's journey as an SSD handler, especially working with Shadow. It was an honor and a privilege to work with Shadow myself. He was an awesome dog and he taught me a lot of things. Handlers like Andre had a unique opportunity to train these specialized dogs from their initial stages of training. Once the team was formed, the SSD team stayed together for as long as possible. In this case, it was Andre's whole Marine Corps career. The bond they formed through training and deployments was the foundation for an effective SSD team and they left an everlasting impression for future generations to emulate. We will discuss more about the SSD capabilities in future episodes with more stories from SSD handlers and SSD instructors. If you would like to support this show, listener support is now active. Go to the website and follow the link on the support page. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support this show in future episodes. Thank you all for the support. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I look forward to hearing your story. Thank you and take care.